Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Get ready to start at my clock, so that means i got to start preaching. So, hey, before I start preaching and speaking, I'm honored to be at Capital Church. This church holds a very dear place in my heart and Wendy's heart and my kid's heart. I love Boise, and I actually wanted to move to Boise. I'm going to blame my wife just like Adam blamed his. I wanted to move to Boise, but my wife would not want to move to Boise, and she watched, she watched, uh, she's watched at 9 o'clock. I think she's watching now, so I could say it. Uh, but uh, but I love the I love the Treasure Valley. You live in a beautiful part of the country. Wow. Okay, three of you are clapping. You live in a beautiful part of the country. I'm serious. It's full disclosure. I flew up on Friday, and I got picked up at the airport from a car dealership that I bought a car in Twin Falls. And I was driving from Boise. I'd never been that way. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's so beautiful. Twin Falls. I mean, I was ready to jump off the base and just go. Then they say, you got to put a parachute on. I said, no, I don't. I'm Benny Perez. Here we go. I mean, it's so beautiful. And I drove seven and a half hours. I'm like, this is so beautiful. And, and sometimes you just don't understand what you really have. So it really is a beautiful place. I live in the desert. And I asked the Lord. I said, God, I want to get to a beach someday. So I'm going to give you lots of sand, no water, called the desert. So... Uh, so you live in a beautiful place, and you have one of America's greatest churches. So let me, let me give honor, because listen, honor is the currency of the kingdom. And we don't honor enough. And, and I know some of you think, well, they just, you just keep on bragging up the pastors and the leaders. That's not biblical. It says to honor those in authority. So that's what we do. We honor. And I'm so grateful that 38, some 38 years ago, or how many years ago, come on, Pastor Ken and Pastor Connie, come on, planted a church in the Treasure Valley and look what it's done all these years. Come on, can we honor the founding pastors right now? Can we honor them and thank them for all their service, still going strong? Love you, Pastor Ken. <clears throat> really do. Always a source of encouragement and, and prayer. And, and then Pastor Connie, honestly, she is a, she's a woman of wisdom. I am her favorite, and she is so right all the time. And uh, just love her. And what can I say about all the cousins? They're all my favorites. If I name one, they get all mad. But Pastor Chris, you know you're my favorite. So anyway, and then listen, the leadership now with Pastor Chris and uh, Pastor Kelly. Come on. The, the future is brighter and brighter and brighter. So grateful for them, their leadership. And uh, he is one of the smartest, smartest uh, guys that I know and and uh, you are so amazing, Kelly, too. I've heard you speak, and you're just, you're, I mean, you're awesome. I mean, I don't even know how, how, how he got you, but that's another story. Well, it's the truth. It's the truth. Amen. Are you ready for the Word of God today? Can I get an amen? Okay, so uh, I'm not a teacher, so I know Pastor Ken is a world-class teacher, and, and Chris is a world-class. I'm not a teacher. I barely graduated. So I just want you to just... I, I'm a preacher, okay? That's kind of my vibe. That's kind of my flow. Um, and I'm a little bit loud because I'm from Vegas and I'm a Latino Hispanic, okay? Just the way we are. Just the way we are. I got, you know, I got broken from my bottle with Tabasco sauce. Come on, somebody help me. Amen. And I just, just the way I am. And that's not a racial thing. Just please let the tension leave the room, okay? I'm just saying. Uh, I married a white girl. Come on, somebody. I mean. Hey, you know, racism stopped in Jesus' name in my household, you know. Uh, but, uh, but I'm grateful to be preaching, and I got a word for you, and I, I really felt this, and I it really felt the Lord speak to me, and then I got some words for some people today, and I think it's going to encourage you and encourage your life. And, and um, so we're going to go right to the Scripture. We're going to go to Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and uh, we're going to read out the ESV translation. And uh, does anybody read NIV, NIV, not inspired version? Get rid of it. Fantastic. That's a joke. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Get the, get the ESV. Here's what the Bible says. That now Jesus was praying in a certain place. A certain place. Come on, say it louder. Say certain place. <laughs> and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, 
Lord, teach us to pray. Come on, as John taught his disciples. Now we're going to skip over the book of Matthew. It is the uh, uh, Matthew's version of the story. And uh, they're going to pick it up. And Jesus is going to speak to prayer. And in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 6, it says this. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And do not be like them for your father. Somebody say, my father. Say, your father. Knows what you need before you ask him. Now look what Jesus says. He says, pray then like this. Any former Catholics, you understand this prayer, okay? I prayed a lot when I went to confession. You have to pray 20 Hail Mayors and 20 Our Fathers, and here's what it is. Our Father in heaven, come on, hallowed be your, your name. Next verse, it says this. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven. And he goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread. And look what he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but what? But what? Come on, help me. But deliver us from, from evil. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you would speak to us. God, I'm not preaching to them. You're speaking to us. Speak to the preacher. Speak to all of us. Holy Spirit, illuminate my mind, my heart. Illuminate our ears to hear what you're saying. Oh, Father, we just need a desperate move of God in the day we live in. Father, our nation is in crisis, so, Lord God, you need your church in revival. Oh, God, raise up your church, I pray. Raise us up. Raise up the young generation, the old generation, God. Bring, Lord God, the, the generations together, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God, that you would do a threefold generational move of God, God, that we've never seen before. In the name of Jesus, mas poder y mas amor. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, come on, everybody said amen. Come on, give God a five-second hand clap right now. Come on. Yeah. If you're taking notes, I just want you to write down the title. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a real good title guy. I've never been all my life. And I just like, everybody around me is good title people, you know. And here, here's a good title. My friend's just preaching this message. He says, it ran, in, it ran in your family till it ran into you. Dear God, I could preach that right now. My title message is, teach us how to pray. <laughs> teach us how to pray. You know, as followers of Jesus, prayer shouldn't be something we have to do. Come on, it's something that we get to do. In fact, if you would just ask me the definition of prayer, I, I'm a simple guy, I really am. I, I do have a degree, and actually, I, I just finished my PhD. Come on, preaching healing and deliverance, praise the Lord. Easy degree after 30-some years of preaching. But prayer for me, if you were to ask me what is prayer, prayer simply for me is how do you communicate with God? I mean, I could boil it down even simpler and says, say that prayer is simply talking to God. Now, depending on who you talk to, I think most people have prayed, heard prayer, right? But they may be praying maybe to another deity, another God. Maybe they pray to the universe. Maybe they pray to a tree and then hug it. I don't know. But for followers of Jesus, come on, we're praying to the Father through Jesus, right? We, we, we believe that we're, we're talking to God. We believe that we are not just talking, come on, to the ceiling. We're not talking to the air. Come on, we're talking to God. I actually believe that. And, and it's, under, it's, it's important for us to understand this, that prayer is so important because when you look at the text, it's very interesting that a disciple came speaking for the other disciples and said, hey, Jesus, uh, we want you to teach us how to pray. Very interesting that he said, we want, to, want you to teach us how to pray. Now, honestly, if I was a disciple in Jesus' day, and I, that would not be what I would ask him for. I would say, Jesus, teach me how to multiply one loaf of bread. Because I'm a businessman by nature. Come on. I just got to get one bread and keep multiplying it. Hello, I'm a billionaire, and I would tie it to the church called Capital. Amen. I, maybe I would say, Jesus, can you teach me? Teach us how to walk on water. I, I'm going to have a Las Vegas show, and this is going to be a sellout. I'm walking on water. I want to walk on the Bellagio fountains, God, and then walk on one of them and then shoot me to the sky. That's what I want to do. 
teach me how to cast out devils. Teach me how to heal the sick. Teach me how. But you study scripture and you don't find Jesus teaching them how to do any of that. Could it be that I think the disciples knew something, that the source of Jesus' power was that he was in a personal, direct relationship daily? Come on with his father. Could it be that if we would actually look at the ancient church, could, we, could it be that if we would look at the book of Acts when they got in trouble, they gathered together to pray. And when they prayed, come on, the place was shaken. When Peter was arrested, they began to pray, and, and they prayed, and an angel let Peter out, and, and Peter came and knocked on the door, and they answered the door, and they didn't even know their prayer had been answered. If you look at the ancient church, they were men and women that prayed. If you look at the ancient moves of God, it was men and women that knew how to pray. It was people that prayed. Because I'm telling you, my friends, prayer is a powerful, powerful, listen to me, Christian, if I could say it this way, discipline. That is something that, that is not just, well, I just have to pray. No, we get to pray. Teach us how to pray, Jesus. Teach us how to pray. And prayer is just this, this communication with God. And all of us have prayed prayers like this. At least I did. God, if you get me out of this one, come on, somebody. I what? I'll never do it again, right? God, if you do this, God, if you do that, I will. The problem with those kind of prayers, they're contractual. We don't pray contractual prayers. We pray covenantal prayers. Because we're not in a contract. In other words, God, if you do this, I do no, no, no. I didn't do anything. Come on, Jesus did everything. And so because of Jesus now, I'm in a covenantal relationship that Jesus is the initiator. Come on, and I'm the responder. That everything begins with, everything started with Jesus. Jesus came, and, and now he came to me. He came after me. I didn't love God first. Come on, God loved me first. And he sent his son as an atoning uh, propitiation for my sins, that, that Jesus is the one. And we have to understand we are not in a contract. We are in a covenantal relationship with God. If we understand this, that is a covenant. If we understand what Jesus is about to tell his disciples, which is us, all of us online, those that are here in this auditorium right here at Capitol Church. And, and by the way, we're going to have church tonight at 7 o'clock, and you're all invited, okay? Because I just sense something. I'm not just saying that. I don't, I'm not just saying that so I could preach another message. I'm not saying that. I feel it. I feel like we are in a move of God. I feel like God is stirring Capitol and stirring the church at large. I feel like the greatest move of God we have not seen yet. And we are about ready to see something greater than we've ever seen before. I, I'm so stirred because listen to me, you cannot stop the next move of God. You can miss it. And I don't want to miss what God wants to do. I, I, I don't want, well, it seems like he's a little, he's a little emotional. He's a little bit out there. Oh, no, no, my friends. Listen to me. I've seen God do so many things in my life. I cannot help but be a little bit loud for him every once in a while. Be a little bit out there for him once in a while. Why? Because if I could cheer for my Raiders who had a miracle, miracle ending to their game. I know you don't like them. It's okay, you hater. But let me tell you something. If God could do a miracle for the Raiders, come on, somebody. God could do a miracle in your life. And by the way, I wasn't always a Raider fan. Derek Carr goes to my church. And Derek Carr is a man of prayer. Derek Carr came to me at the beginning of summer. He said, I want to do a prayer meeting. I said, absolutely, Derek. When? He said, 6.30 in the morning. Absolutely, I'm an early riser. He said, Sunday morning at 6.30. And literally, I know hundreds of men would show up on 6.30. And we'd pray. And then he'd send them back home and says, now go back home as leaders and bring your family and friends back to church. Oh, no, that, no, Raiders are going to win the Super Bowl. They're going to play the Dallas Cowboys. And they will beat the Cowboys in Jesus' name. We're in a covenantal relationship, and Jesus, when he begins to answer their question, how to teach us, teach us how to pray, notice what he says. We go back to the text, and he says this. He says, I want, now, I want you to understand, here's how we start. He says, our Father. Can I tell you something? I, I skipped over that R a lot. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. But notice it didn't say, pray like this, my Father. He said, I want you to pray our Father. 
Why is that significant? Why is that profound? Why, why is that? Because notice he's saying this. He says, listen, this is not just a personal relationship that you have with God yourself. But now it's our Father, which signifies that we are part of a family. Which signifies that I have brothers and sisters. Which signifies that I have black brothers, I have white brothers, I have, I have yellow brothers, I have red brothers or sisters. Which signifies that we are family, that this R is a community. When you come to Jesus, this Americanized Christianity that says, well, it's just me and God and your religion is personal. That is not biblical. It is not biblical at all. Why? Because when we come into a family, that's what he's saying. It's R. That means your father. Come on, somebody is my father. When I come into Jesus, we're coming into a community. We're not just a church building. We're not just coming on the weekends. It means that we are doing life together. It means that now I have somebody when I'm discouraged that they encourage me. And when they're discouraged, come on, I encourage them. It means this. It means that if I walk by myself, if I fall down, I have nobody to pick me up. But if I have more than one walking with me, come on, I have somebody that could lift me up when I am down. This is, this is a concept that God wants us to understand again that we are in this thing together. I can tell you by nature I'm independent. I am. I like going to movies by myself. When I go to Vegas and they go, Pastor, I said, what, what movie are you in? Whatever movie you're going to go see, I'm going to see the other one. Because I pastor a lot of people and we're launching our third location, and God's blessing our church. And I, mean, I, I listen, I love church because of people, but I don't like church because of people. And don't laugh because, because you know what I'm talking about. Let's just be real. I mean, they take your seat. They, they take your parking spot. I mean, and they walk by you, and it's like, the church would be so good if it wasn't for people. <laughs> and, and then I realized I'm the people. And that's why we need Jesus for the people. <laughs> we don't need Benny for the people. No, because I'm too moody. You, you, you're getting the best version of me right now. <laughs> but on Monday morning, you get the worst version if you're married to me. Because the weekend is over. <laughs> R. R. What would break down all the barriers if we realized we are part of R. Which means we're family. You didn't even know you had a Latino, crazy, Hispanic brother. You didn't know that. I didn't know I had a conservative, white, you know, person. Did that bother you? I married a white girl. I have three kids called coconuts. You know what that is? Brown on the outside. Come on, white in the inside. You know what I'm talking about. Could it be, watch me, could it be, watch me, could it be, watch me, could it be that family, if you're really family, let's be honest here, nobody could push your buttons like family. I know what buttons to push on my wife, and sometimes I do it purposely. Unless you laugh, sometimes she does it purposely. There's nobody gets me more matter. I know that's not good vocabulary. More matter. I know, but you say, hey, it woke you up because my bad vocabulary says, hey, that's a little bit different. I know matter. Then family. And the enemy wants us to fight and divide as family. Whatever happened to the day that I could come and sit at a table with somebody and we could disagree about issues, but still stay unified as a family. Whatever happened with that? Whatever happened that we just actually come to the table and debate back and forth? What would happen that we crossed the aisle, whatever that means? What would ever happen that we didn't elevate an elephant or a donkey, but we elevated a lamb? Whatever happened to that? I tell people all the time, see, my church is very diverse racially, very diverse socially, very diverse uh, financially, very diverse politically. I have a multicultural, multi-generational, crazy church. And people say, what is it like, man? You got Democrats and Republicans in there. i like, guess what? There's going to be Democrats and Republicans in heaven. So you're like, no, they're not. No, they're not. No, he's a heretic. Get him out right now. 
Pastor Ken, take the mic. So, so bad. It's the enemy. I don't want to get emotional, but it's impacted me personally. But really, we can't talk? Vaccine or non-vaccine? We can't talk? You know, you know when society quits talking, trouble begins to happen. I will fight for your right to say what you want to say. It's America, baby. It's America. I may not like it, but if I try and censor you, they're going to come after me. Oh, no. I tell people, go ahead and pick it outside of my church. As long as it's on the sidewalk, because if you're in my property, I'll bump you back. But if somebody tries to stop you with your, with your, go ahead. No, no, no. Let them do that. I'm not worried about it. Jesus is not freaking out. He's not like, oh my gosh, people don't believe in me. What am I going to do? Like, like, like as if culture determines if he's still king. He's king no matter what culture says. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't need even Kanye to say it. Thank God for Kanye. I don't need him to say it. Why? Because we can say that he is king. He's, it's, it's our, it's our, it's our. I don't like your style. Well, I don't like yours standing there looking bored. I don't like that either. It's so, it's so crazy how people, how people are just, they're so crazy. Like, for real, bro? We've been family all these years. Even gangs, where I grew up in, don't even turn their back on. It's just crazy. Because it's the enemy bringing a spirit of division and strife. Do you think I married my wife because we agreed on everything? I just need her to agree on one thing. I'm handsome. I don't know why you're laughing. Look. Age has tarnished me a little bit. But look, you didn't even marry somebody because you agreed on everything. The only thing we need to fight about is Orthodox Christianity. If you want to, I'll go to war with you over that. But really, it's our. It's our. I still love this man, even though he's a Dallas Cowboy fan. How demented and deranged can you be? When's the last time they won a Super Bowl? Watch me, he says, he says, oh, so point number one, write this down quickly. Prayer always starts with the who first, not the how. He says, our father, you have a heavenly father. Jesus introduced the concept of a father, not just Yahweh, not a God I can't pronounce his name, but he's my father. He's my father. So now the concept is, it always starts with the who first. I'm praying to a heavenly father. And because of that now, I must understand that how I view the father determines how I respond to him. We can't get away from this. We have a whole generation of brokenness and pain. And it's probably increasing because I, I pastor people. And what happens is, if you may not even know this, but the way you have viewed your Earthly father at times can impact the way you view, come on, your heavenly father at times. In other words, if you had a good father, encouraging, welcoming, loving, forgiving, kind, considerate, that helps you as you relate, come on, to a father who is in heaven. But if you had a harsh, critical, always looking for something that's wrong kind of a father, maybe you never had a father figure at all in your life. And what happens is now you have this orphan spirit inside of you. And, and what happens is we're not careful. We now we superimpose upon God the Father the way our father was on earth. Let me say it to you this way. God the Father, that's who Jesus is speaking about, is not a better version of your earthly father. He's a perfect version. He's a perfect version. 
There's no question that some of us, we need to allow the Spirit of God to bring healing to us, to some trauma, to some areas of our life, and the Word of God can do that. And there's all kinds of things that could do that as you renew your mind. But please hear me, is if we don't get a proper view of who God is, we don't respond to Him the right way. God the Father, that's why he says, our Father, our community. And he says, the Father, I challenge you to look at the scripture. I challenge you to look and, and, and quit looking, or quit hearing what people are saying. Go back to the Bible. Go back to the scripture. Don't, don't even take what I say and just say, okay, that's what he says. No, go back to the scripture. What does the Bible say? When we look at the very beginning of time and you see in creation and we see Adam and Eve and and they sin, and, and Adam does what, you know, some men do. They blame their wives. God, you know, the woman you gave me. Then he blamed God. You gave me the woman. I was cool until you gave me that woman. I mean, you know, you're jacked up. You're not just blaming your wife. Come on, you're blaming God. Right? Because, but, but you understand something. I want to see how smart you are because you're a very smart church. When Adam and Eve sin, okay, before they sin, now God would come into the garden and walk in the, in the cool of the day. That's what the Bible said. He would come and walk with Adam. He'd do that every day. They'd come every day. After Adam and sin, Adam and Eve sin, the Bible says that God still came. Question, did God know that Adam and Eve had sinned before he came back into the garden? Okay, wave your hand if you said yes. Okay, some of you aren't waving your hands. That's good. Play it safe. I'm with you. When God comes in the garden and then he says these words, Adam, where are you? How many of you know God knew where Adam was? Wave your hand at me. Okay, wave. some of you still played it safe. Got you, bro. With you. I'm with you. The issue wasn't that God didn't know where they were. Adam and Eve didn't know where they were. They didn't really understand where they were yet. Isn't this crazy? Because if God was so judgmental, God was so angry, God was so vengeful, then why would he come to fallen mankind? It is a picture of the new covenant that God closes the gap. We never close the gap. You don't see Adam and Eve coming after God, God, and God running away from him. No, God, after they had fallen, after they did everything they weren't supposed to do, God came back into the garden, and God closed the gap, and God began to commune, and God began to have communication. Why? Because that's the kind of father, come on, somebody, that we serve. Even before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, type and shadow of what God. And I can even go a little bit further because what does God do? God does the first animal sacrifice and he covers their sin with the blood of bulls and goat. So this is kind of father. It's a father. Our father. Jesus said it this way. If your earthly fathers being evil, do good things to the children. How much more will your heavenly father do good things? When I say God is good, sometimes people, they, they push back because they allow circumstances and situations to dictate if God is good. God is good regardless of my circumstances and situation. In fact, I have to believe that God is good in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my valley, in the midst of what I'm going through. Because the enemy wants to connect the goodness of God with the realities of life. But I'm here to tell you, God is good no matter what I am experiencing. He says, our, our father, our father. We have a heavenly father that is there for you and for me. See, the primary purpose of prayer, I want to write this down, is not problems, but relationship. Prayer isn't just, okay, I'm going to pray because I have a problem. I'm going to sit down for a second because I'm real tired. Imagine every time I just had a problem, I'm going to pray now, I'm going to pray now. The primary purpose of prayer is in problems. Oh, believe me, when you have problems, you should pray. There's no problem with that. But the primary purpose of prayer is not problems, it's relationship. Why? Because I have a father. And because I have a father, a father wants to communicate with his sons and his daughters. Imagine I got three kids and every time they came to me, it was always a problem. Dad, I need a car. Okay, Bella. And that, the only time she came to me was problem. Now, listen, I, I would love that. I just love to communicate with them. But my heart would say, I want a deeper relationship with you than just a problem-oriented relationship. 
I want to hear your ups. I want to hear your downs. I want to hear your dreams. I want to hear your, your sorrows. I want to hear everything. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I tell my daughter, Bella, come and sit and talk to dad. How was your day? How was work? How did the manager treat you? Do I do a drive-by? What do I do? <laughs> talk to my youngest son. You know, he's interested in girls. And okay, he says, hey, son, let's, let's talk. And my wife says, you better have that talk with him. You better have that talk with him. You better have that talk with him. That's, that's an awkward talk, but I'm going to have that talk with him. Sometimes I say, hey, Benaya, jump in the car with me. Hey, where are we gonna, we're going to go to Costco, son. Just don't tell your mom what we're going to do. We're going to eat some junk food. Get some pizza. Yeah, you came with me. Let's, let's have a Sunday. Just eat it before you get home. Wipe off all the evidence. Why? Because I just like walking the aisles with my kid. I really do. I know that doesn't sound, I, I really do. I, you know, we, 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 we have, we walk Shark Tank together. And I pause and I say, okay, what's the counter, guys? Because I'm raising a billionaire somewhere in all there. <laughs> they don't know, but one of you is my retirement. <laughs> I'm not doing this because I want relationship. I'm doing it because I'm selfish. Watching America's Got Talent, and you had the you had the one comic that was cerebral palsy. Did you see that one? Okay, I shouldn't go there, but it was funny. And and, and we we watch all this stuff, and and they say, Dad, what are we gonna talk about? And sometimes it's just like nothing. I just want you to sit by me. This is this is a relationship. I see God like. I, okay, if it's problem-oriented, I'll give you a lot of them. Because I just want you to talk to me. <laughs> I won't give them, but I'll allow them. Or, Father, then he says something so interesting. He says this. He says, in heaven. In heaven. And I want to camp out here just for a few more moments. And... And he says something to us because Jesus is telling something to us when he says in heaven, the perspective now is based on something greater than what I can see, feel, or can fathom. We are praying to our Father, come on somebody, in heaven. Which means this prayer is not just words spoken, but a perspective I have. I'm not just speaking words. I have a perspective. My perspective is different because now I have a Father who is in heaven. You must understand what this means is that now Jesus speaking something to us, that earthly perspective is one of begging, begging, begging. But a heaven perspective of prayer is believing, believing, believing. So it's not, watch, it's not, you can hear me, it's not earth to heaven prayers, it's heaven to earth prayers. Because I'm praying to a father, come on, who's in heaven. And so now we can believe that heaven, come on, is invading earth. Because something, something uh, happens when I begin to pray based on what heaven says, based on what heaven sees, based on what God says. And so now I come with faith and I believe. And now I can speak to the mountain and say, oh, mountain, be thou removed. Why? Because it's perspective. It is a perspective because I'm praying to a father who is in heaven. I know it's hard at times. I know because I'm there with you. I know when I've been hit with pain and, and loss and circumstances, I'm there with you. I feel it. If I'm not careful, I begin to pray earth to heaven prayers. And what I mean by that is I keep telling God about how big the problem is. And I describe the problem and I do a commentary on the problem as if God needs a commentary on the problem. What I need to do is start telling the problem how big my God is and give my problem a commentary who God is. I want to pray these prayers that are crazy impossible. For with, for with men, these things are impossible. But with God, come on, all things are possible. These are heaven to earth kind of prayers where miracles happen. People come out of wheelchairs, blind eyes open. When revival breaks out, when things begin to happen. Like I was in a wheelchair one night at the revival meetings I was at. And I got all these trolls that were trolling me and saying, wow, if this guy was healed and everything like that, why would you have to lift? 
lift them inside the, in, inside the baptistry and they had to lift him up. If it was really a move of God, he would have been healed. Oh, little troll, little troll, little troll who you are. Because you didn't see the next day that guy didn't come in a wheelchair. The guy walked into the church building the very next day. Don't limit God. Don't limit God by what you can see in the moment. I feel something. We have, we have this, this heaven perspective. We've lost it. No, I, I can, that's a bad, I lost it. I've lost it. There are times when I've lost it because of pain, because of loss, because of not understanding. Can I tell you something? Understanding is overrated. We only apply it to God. We don't apply it to any place else. Like you go, okay, light switch. I understand everything about electricity. You don't know nothing. You just switch it on. Hey, do you understand? No, it works. How about some of you go beyond the speed limit? Don't, don't, don't look at your name. I'm talking to you. And you rely on a little pedal, a little pedal called a brake pedal. You don't understand. I don't. Hydraulics, calipers, you know, the rotors. All I know is it better work because I'm going awfully fast. And there's a red light coming real fast. We don't understand that. My God, I've been married 23 years. Do you think I understand my wife? She doesn't even understand herself. But the marriage works. No, it's true. I'm going to tell Wendy. I can see Tracy over there testing. Go ahead, Wendy. Go ahead. She'll tell you it's the truth. You're all hanging out together. Woman thing. I, like, Wendy, do we have to play this game again? Hey, where do you want to eat? I don't care. All right. I give a restaurant. I don't want to go there. Oh, my God. Come on. Now, now I got the crowd with me now. I got both men and women because all the women are like, you fool, you shouldn't even ask me that question. You should know before asking me that question. You're, you go to capital. You're a prophet of God. You should know. You should read my. We go to a counselor. Me and, me and Wendy go to a counselor. His name is Randy. We go to a therapist. He's, we need to work on our marriage. And she's crying. I don't understand myself. I've cried. I don't understand that she doesn't understand because she should understand. But she doesn't even understand. If she doesn't understand, I don't understand. I don't understand. You know what the counselor says? That's, that's human. Great. You don't understand. Work on it. But we come to God. God, I need to understand everything. Like, really? Where were you when the earth was created? Where was I when he said, see, this far, no further? I, I like, really? What I've learned is, if I'm really a kingdom guy, then I got to elevate trust over reason. Because there are two spirits that fight in the, in the world today. There's only two spirits. I'm going to boil it down, make it simple, because that's the kind of guy that I have. There's a spirit of reason versus spirit of revelation. And, and we, we battle over reasons, 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 reasons. And God gives us revelation, revelation, revelation. I don't understand. That's why the Bible says crazy stuff like this. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean out on your own in all your ways. And he will, he will, not you, he will make your paths straight. He make your, well, it's kind of motivational. I feel a little bit better. But every once in a while, I just need to, I need to see him. No, you don't. When you can't trace God, you got to trust him. Even when he's not doing something, he's still doing something. By his very nature of God, he's always doing something. And in the midst, if I don't understand what has happened, and I think it's the final result, you got to check yourself, because as long as we're on this planet, it's not final. Because final is eternity. When we live with him forever. This is, this is crazy. I haven't lived seven decades. I've lived five. That looked pretty good, huh? Five decades I've lived, soon to be six. I turned 60 pretty quick. I look back on my life. And you're not supposed to say your age. Most people are like, oh, my God, you look so young. But I didn't get that response here. 
It's okay. You're slow. In the times when I've tried to figure it out, I tried to bargain. I tried to contract. The only thing that did caused me more pain. Right now, I'm fighting a pretty big battle personally. It hurts bad, right, real bad. I found out that emotional pain sometimes is worse than physical pain because I could take an Advil, but you can't take an Advil for emotional pain. So I'm having to trust. I grew up in a Baptist church for a little while, and they sing this old song, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Yeah. Our Father in heaven. Heaven to earth prayers, not earth to heaven prayers. Not begging, but believing. Speaking in the mountains, to the mountains speaking to me. The last thing I would just call your attention to the book of Hebrews, and we're done. We're done. Thank you for encouraging me, Kelly. Nobody else is, but thank you so much. I know you're a cheerleader by nature. It's okay. It doesn't matter. I'll take it. I'll take whatever I can get. Beggars can't be choosers. Hey, man. If we're going to just settle our prayer life is heaven to earth prayers, then we have to understand something about our prayer life when it, when it re- relates to heaven. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews. Since then, we have a high priest. I'll read over here. Who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Look at verse 16. Let us then with confidence, somebody say confidence, draw near to the throne of what? Come on, help me, throne of what? Say it louder, throne of what? Come on, like you want me to finish preaching, say it louder, throne of what? That was a little bit too loud. That we may receive what? Receive what? Judgment, hellfire and damnation, condemnation, fear. We might receive what? Mercy and what? Find what? To help in time of what? Need. I, I, I just, I really, I didn't hear this from anybody. I, I steal a lot of stuff from a lot of people, most of the people. And I repurpose it and say, God spoke to me. He did through that individual. But I want you to write this down. Prayer is not a particular location on earth, but a place in heaven. Here's what I want to say to you this way. When you and I begin to pray, I may be praying on a beach, that's my location, but the place is still the throne room of grace. The location may be walking in the park and may be driving in the car. And maybe in my bedroom, maybe laying in bed at night crying because of what I'm going through. It, it, it could be whatever location, but it's not about the location on earth. It's a place that, that is in heaven. That now my location, yes, it could be more powerful because I'm with people in church. I'm an altar. I'm with friends and we're praying a prayer of agreement. But ultimately, the location, the location may be on earth, but the place is always the throne room of grace. That's why when I'm praying, as I'm driving, I'm on the airplane flying up here, and I have my headphones in, I'm praying, and I'm asking God, the location is flying 35,000 feet above the earth, and I'm flying to Boise. That's my location on a plane called Southwest Airlines, but the place is still the throne of grace. Now, that means, that means my prayers are powerful, not based on my location, but based on the place. That's why now I'm getting revelation that God hears me and I have a move of God as I'm riding on my bike. I'm having a move of God as I'm praying in the mall. God stop her from spending and God hears me. <laughs> uh, when he reverses the prayer when I'm at a car lot. Come on, somebody. <laughs> as I, I, cars are my weakness. All oh, cars are my weakness. Just... Give me a good car deal, sold in Jesus' name. And that's what he says. He says these words, and I want to take the time. We can come boldly to the throne of grace 
the places in heaven. Come boldly comes from the Greek word, and I'm going to crucify parousia, which means to speak freely, to speak your mind without fear or intimidation. We can obtain, take hold of something. That word obtain is take hold of something that's being offered. It is not you trying to wrestle from God's hand. It's God's hand being extended, and he's extending it to you. And he's saying, here you go. And you just reach out. And t- it's when you're little, your kids are little, and you give them something. That's all it is, is that now they reach up and they take what you're giving them. This is what it means, friends. We find grace, not judgment or harshness. That word find, we, we get the word eureka from. I found it. I discovered it. I got something I wasn't looking for. I got grace. We find strength in our time of need. In our time of need comes from a word called boethia which is a military term used in the Bible. When a soldier heard that a fellow soldier was involved in a battle or conflict, they would go and enter the battle to help strengthen his fellow soldier. It's a military term. Well, why would it be a military term in the context of that? Because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. There's spiritual warfare. There's a fight. There's something that's going on in our nation, over our nation. Please do not make it about a political party. There's spirits behind it. Ain't, listen to me, it's a system. Any system that manipulates or controls, that forces, is not the spirit of Jesus. It's not. You can come into this church, listen. It's not a political statement. Listen to me. We don't force you. You've got to raise your hands at capital. No, we say, hey, we, we encourage you to lift your hands. If I was to force anything, you, know, you need to tithe. <laughs> Even tithe is not forced. Tithing is a response of the goodness of God in your life. Listen, religion is the worst. Jesus confronted religious systems more than anything else. Because it was a system of manipulation and control of fear. I don't need to control you to follow Jesus. Fear you into following Jesus. I need to show you how good he is. How gracious he is. What he has done. And let Jesus stand on his own. So any system, political, religious system that forces and mandates and controls and you have to, you have to, you have to. No, I'm going to put in my body what I want to put on my body. You, you can't force me to put something in my body. Okay, I'm not getting any amens. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying this whole system, it's wrong. And instead of us rallying and I listen, vote and do all that, I'm for it. You need to vote your conscience, vote biblically. I get it. But what would happen if we had thousands of Christians, millions of Christians begin to gather to pray? To pray. And we pull down strongholds and principalities and powers and rules of darkness in high places. What would happen? I listen, listen. I know, I know for the, I know for, I know this might be. Oh, he's sounding old now. He's sounding old now. You know the crazy thing is, I'm getting invited to more youth conferences now at my age. And let me tell you, this is true. My my kids will tell you. My youth pastor will tell you. I'm doing some of the some, some of the larger ones are inviting me again. You know what? You know what? You know who loves me now? Loves me, Generation Z. No, they love me. Middle schoolers, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 12-year-olds. They're like, they're like, they're like, they're like, they're like, they're like, we like you. You should start a TikTok account. Hey. I'll TikTok you. Because what is old has become new. What is ancient has become relevant. <laughs> they see me speaking in tongues. They're like, oh, that's cool. What's that? They don't debate me theologically. Well, I'm a cessationalist, and I learned this when I was nine years old, and, and it died out with the apostles, and I don't know. That's kind of strange. And I like, they're like, oh, can I do that? I go, yeah, you can. Oh, what was that? What took, what took place right there? That's a healing. Can I do that? Yeah. Lay hands. Pray. No, I love Generation Z. Millennials, you're too old for me now. You, you, just buy, leave. 
well, we were going to come tonight. Now you don't want us. <laughs> Throne of grace. Our country needs grace and mercy right now. I sit down with people that are vehemently opposed to my view. You know what they tell me? They go, wow, you're actually listening and talking. I said, yeah. So you do the courtesy. Because, listen, if it's going to be of Elijah and Mont Carmel, like, like moment in history, we're not worried. He wasn't worried. Oh, my God, there's only one of us. There's 450 prophets of Baal. What are we going to do? He like, bring it on. He says, you go first. Go first. Then he mocked him. He says, ah, your God must be on the toilet. That's actually in the Bible. Better be louder. They cut themselves till blood was going on. And he said, wear yourself out. Then he said, okay, you're done? Okay, our turn. Like he didn't even say, you false religions, you false God, you false. He says, do your thing, do your thing. <laughs> I'm not, honestly, people are like, oh my God, he's fun. No, no, do your thing. Because your thing went to a dead end. Because the nation cannot rest on man's wisdom. It's got to go back on God's wisdom and God's, God's ways. I'm just, go do your thing. I'm just saying. Okay, I'm done. Somebody say amen. He's done. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.